Hello, welcome, and would you look at this mess. I'm your host, Kate, and the purpose of this podcast is to trace, explore, and celebrate the unconventionality that lives within all of us. Hey, hi, how are you doing? I am doing pretty well today myself. I hope that you are also doing well. Thank you, as always, for joining me, and I'm going to start with a legitimate warning (laughs) that this episode is going to deal with uh, some taboo stuff. So if you have sensitive ears or you would prefer not to know details about my personal intimate life, then I would suggest that this is not the episode for you. And I will not be in any way offended if you choose to turn it off right now. (laughs) So uh, that being said, I will say that when, I I think it was in my um, trailer episode that I mentioned that I was going to talk at some point about topics like female pleasure and that sort of thing and masturbation and stuff. So that is what this episode is going to focus on. And it is going to, as most other episodes do, focus on my particular journey through this kind of stuff. So again, this is dealing with me specifically. My intimate details will be shared. So if you are not interested in hearing those details, please once again turn this episode off. All right. I think I've done my due diligence now. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to start by offering a confession. And it is a confession for me because I will say that this is a point of um, embarrassment for me. And I'll explain why. So confession. I did not have an orgasm until I was 30 years old. And I will be 33 in a couple of weeks. So that means that I've spent the vast majority of my life and even my adult life never having had an orgasm. Um, I will let you know, fortunately, that I have had many, 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 many orgasms since that time. But I did not have a single orgasm before I turned 30. And really, truly, like 30 on the 30th birthday because the reason that I did have one at that time is because Nick, my husband, gifted me with my first vibrator. And I mean, if that ain't like the perfect gift, I don't even know what is Um, because he has now gifted me with a lifetime of pleasure. And I'm so grateful (laughs) to him for that. And so the, okay, so first, first thing outside of that is that the reason it's a bit of an embarrassment for me is because I am a very sexually open person. I talk about sex all the time. My mind is quote unquote in the gutter always. If there is an inappropriate joke to be made, I will hear it in my head and I'll probably say it out loud. (laughs) Um, And I'm also like really adventurous sexually and just just very open. So it's a little bit embarrassing for me, like little miss sex everything to have never had an orgasm. And I find it to be interesting myself because 
I never, I, I will say I never really felt strong urges to touch myself, to explore my body or my genitals. Um, I just never really had a strong urge to do it. Uh, so I just never did. I loved things like being touched and caressed and hugged and kissed and all those things. But, but um, and of course, penetrated with a penis <laughs> in my vagina. But in terms of, of manipulating and, and touching and paying attention to my genitals, my clitoris, uh, vulva, labia, all those things, it just never was a focus for me. So it's not to say that I never had satisfying sex up until that point, but it was definitely something that I didn't realize that I was missing until I started having it. And so, I don't know, I find, I find that interesting because I know that there are lots of girls and women out there who, who do go through strong phases of touching themselves and being shamed for it. And that was just not the case for me. I cannot recall a time ever when I touched myself, um, certainly not in front of anybody, where I felt like there was a source of shame around it. Nina, do you mind? Really? <laughs> okay, Nina's having a good scratch back there. Anyway, um, so... Yeah, that's, I think that's something that I find interesting about the whole thing because a lot of times women say that they never had masturbated or orgasmed because there was a deep sense of shame around the practice itself. And I just didn't feel that. I just did not have a, a strong urge to, to do anything in that area. Anyway, so all of that being said, I will also add that I, at this stage still do not orgasm unless I have a toy involved, a vibrator of some kind. I have not gotten to a stage where I can physically manipulate my genitals myself. Nick has gotten pretty close to giving me an orgasm orally, but still not there yet. Um, and I, I don't I don't actually really feel a huge sense of shame around this particular issue because we're, we don't have a lot of practice in it, really. I mean, so after he gifted me this vibrator, uh, it took at least a year before I felt like I was really in control of everything, that I had a good handle on how to get there, what sorts of stimuli I like that stimuli that I like that that will help me to get there and in a timely way, because I will tell you, there were numerous times in that first year especially, and a couple times even beyond that, where I would either end up totally um, numb <laughs> in my genitals because I would have a vibrator touching my body for so long that it would numb out and I'd have to stop because I couldn't feel anything anymore. And that was frustrating because... You want to do it, but there's just something holding you back. And for me, it was a lot of just letting go mentally and 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 figuring out which ways to touch myself with my own hands and then use the vibrator with that and that sort of thing to sort of get there. Uh, and then, or the other thing that happened a few times because this first vibrator that he, he um, gave to me is a chargeable one, which is fantastic because you can unplug it and just run and go with it and take it anywhere, but um, the battery will run out eventually. <laughs> so a couple of times I was left 
really devastated because I couldn't finish because the vibrator battery ran out. So now, of course, I have a couple of different vibrators, and one of them, one of the great ones, the Magic Wand, um, he got me, he, oh, he's so good at, the, at the, this gifting thing, um, he got me a corded one. So at the very least, if I, because I like the rabbit one that he got me initially, that's like my favorite one. Um, and then I have a couple of others that I use, but at the very least, if I'm using one of the chargeable ones or the battery-operated ones and it does die, then I can just grab the, the magic wand and finish it off from there. Um, but, yeah, but and so the, the thing is that I want to kind of explain, too, because, well, okay, so I wanted to share this part of myself publicly because I cannot be alone here. There is no way that someone who is as sexually open as um, as as in tune with what is going on with her own body and, and everything else that I have had this experience and that I'm the only one. It's just not possible. Um, there are people who are far more sexually repressed than I am, who I, who, and some of them probably are having orgasms and some of them maybe are not, but there are people out there who are living a similar experience and I want them to know that they're not alone. You're not alone if you're not having orgasms or you're feeling shame around touching your body and pleasing yourself. Um, because now, um, masturbation has become a fairly important part of my life and that's something that I highly advocate for. And it was never that I didn't advocate for it before, but I was just never doing it myself because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> and I still, like I said, I still haven't gotten to a stage where like I can just use my hand and, and uh, have an orgasm. I have to have a toy. And it is something that I'm working on and I'm, I'm practicing, but it takes a lot of time and it takes patience. And so it's not something that's just going to happen overnight. Um, and that's fine. But at the same time, um, it, you know, I, I also just feel like I'm not overly sensitive in my genitals. So it takes quite a lot of, of contact there to even start feeling aroused in a way that I feel like I could have an orgasm. So this, I don't know, I'm, I'm pathologizing the whole thing in my head because I'm thinking, how the hell did I go that long without feeling like I really needed to have that release? Because, I mean, like I said, I was, I was having satisfying sex. Our sex life has always been good, and sometimes it's been great. It just that, the good, good or great um, dichotomy or whatever sort of comes and goes usually with my cycle. Nick's extremely stable, so like it's always great, I think, for him. For me, uh, depending on where I am in my monthly cycle and just hormonally and all that stuff, um, the sex can be kind of like up and down. So I think that's also fairly normal that it's not going to be like blow your mind sex every time you do it. But sometimes it is. And so anyway, we've been fortunate enough, the two of us, that neither of us have really hit any like real rough stages sexually. The, the worst periods of uh, worst points in our relationship for sex were really during the two pregnancies with our kids. During the first one, it was like slow. Things slowed down quite a bit because I was uncomfortable a lot of the time. Uh, and, and then in the second pregnancy, it was like we didn't have sex for months and months <laughs> because I just couldn't do it. I was so uncomfortable. It was very painful for me. So, and just because, like, and so, I, okay, sorry, side note here. 
uh, sex, when I say it like that, I mean it as like penetrative penis and vagina sex, okay? Because there's all kinds of different ways that you can be sexually intimate with people, with your partner. Um, but I felt disconnected physically from him a lot of the time. So we didn't do a lot of sexually intimate things at all during that time. Whereas ordinarily, even if we're not going to have penetrative sex, we might still have oral sex or different do different things to each other. So um, anyway, I'm not going <laughs> to... I am really trying to not bring Nick up too much into this conversation because um, he's extremely private and very <clears throat> reserved. So I don't want him to have to listen to me talk about him in the bedroom um, or have, know that people are, are listening to me talk about him. So anyway, this is meant to be mostly about me. Um, but... So there is also this element to the whole thing that I did not become orgasmic or I was not experiencing orgasms until I, after I became a mother. I was well into motherhood by the time this was happening for me. And I, I don't know why, I just feel sometimes very strange about this, this whole thing because in theory, I knew that your sex life will get better as you age. Everybody, I think, kind of expects sex to be really good when you're younger because you're young and you're virile and you're energetic and all that stuff, but you don't know your body that well yet. And the person that you're with doesn't know their body that well yet, provided that they're your age. Um, you know, your, your teens and your early 20s and even your late 20s sometimes, you still don't really know yourself that well and your partner may not know themselves that well. And they may not have a whole lot of experience um, with you or other people. So it's difficult to be really good at something that you have, that you lack experience in. And that's the bottom line. We, so, so we know that as we get older, the more we do it, the more we learn about ourselves and about others. And if you have a particular partner for a long time, you're going to learn uh, what works and what doesn't and what's good for you, what's good for them, all that stuff. And you can take that even sometimes the things that you know work for you and you can bring that along with you to other relationships and whatnot. But for, in my case, um, I got together with my now husband when we were young. We were both very young. I had a little bit of sexual experience with some, like with one or two or a couple of different guys, but nothing to write home about. And as far as I know, I was like the first person that Nick ever did anything with at all. So, um, so we were very inexperienced. We didn't have a lot of variety before getting together. And, and I think sometimes what happens, I think anyway, is that people do this, they get together fairly young. They don't grow necessarily in themselves or in their sexual selves and so they end up kind of having the same monotonous uh sort of regular sex forever and uh and that can be challenging because eventually you get tired of it eventually it just becomes so monotonous i guess is the is the word um that you don't really want to do it anymore <laughs> or it's, it feels like a chore or whatever uh and so I'll say, from my personal experience, one of the best things you can possibly do for your sexual relationship with your partner is just to be open to things and try different things and, and talk to them and communicate 
Um, use toys, use lube, use all the things that you have at your disposal to enhance your pleasure and your and your interactions because it does help. It really does. Um, it, it helps you to grow and to learn even more about your partner. One of the best things that I've noticed is like a huge turn on for me is when I discover something or I do something that suddenly my partner is like, whoa, <laughs> what are you doing? That's amazing. Um, so, and like not everything that I try goes that way, but you have to be willing to at least try those things because that is a huge motivator and a huge driver to like keep doing more, to keep trying things and, and mix it up a little bit. Um, but this all, of course, takes a certain level of vulnerability. You have to be able to be vulnerable to try something with your partner that you aren't sure what they're going to react like. And to be totally fair, uh, I don't think I've ever done anything to, to my partner where I didn't say in advance that I was going to try something or there wasn't like an instruction on their part or whatever, right? Like it's not, so what I'm getting at here is that you need to also keep consent in mind because you can't just start doing stuff to people um, when they're not expecting it or like they don't know what's coming because then you're probably not going to end uh, in a positive way. But if you communicate, um, sometimes even sitting down outside the bedroom, having a conversation saying, hey, you know, I think I'd really like to try X, Y, or Z. Or what if I did this to you? Um, talking about those things and getting that conversation going so that when you do get to the bedroom, you kind of can, you can just figure out what it is that you're going to do next. And, um, and so it takes the, the sort of power out of the whole thing because there is, um, it's sort of a, not recommended practice to talk about these kinds of things in the bedroom in the moment because you're liable to like kill the mood <laughs> um, or disrupt things in a way that you may not recover from and so it might end up just ruining the experience for both of you so definitely having these conversations prior to the experience but sometimes sometimes they happen spontaneously and again if you're both on board your partner is aware of what you're doing of when you're going to do it and all that stuff I don't see any problem with that. And I do recommend just trying new things, just being open to trying stuff. You don't have to do everything. You don't have to rush into anything. You don't have to do anything you really don't want to do, but just try to, to introduce some new things as you go. Um, anyway, so I just, uh, I really wanted to focus on the on the orgasm thing and the, the self-pleasure thing because truly, uh becoming getting to a place where where I can have orgasms and and please myself and look after myself it's it's changed my life substantially because before that I would say well obviously I I would derive all of my sexual pleasure from partnered interactions right that I didn't do anything on my own and that can be hard. It can be difficult for yourself and for your partner because then all of your, like, they're responsible for all pleasure that you experience. And if you're not experiencing pleasure through, like, the typical means, like penetrative sex or through giving them oral sex or whatever, um, it, that can be challenging for your partner to to know and to grapple with. And and a lot of times, a lots of male partners especially are conditioned to believe that they have to fix something. So they want to fix it, but they don't know what to do. And so anyway, this experience of suddenly I can look after things myself. I don't need to have 
penetrative sex to feel good. Um, it really, it really changed things for me. And of course, getting comfortable with, with self-pleasure and that stuff too is a whole other element to things because again, there is this ingrained sense of, of shame around touching yourself and, and being in your body and all that stuff too, right? A lot of people say that they, they would try to masturbate and just get it over with and, and do it behind closed doors and stuff. And so I've tried to invoke a, an open door policy, a literal open door policy, not with, not with my kids, with my partner and that we can do those things with or without each other. You can do it when I'm here. I don't have to be involved. I can do it when you're here and you don't have to be involved, whatever you want to do, but just like we can be comfortable doing it because it helps to normalize it more and make you feel like it's not a shameful thing that you that you do this because it's not being able to pleasure yourself for both men and women or and anybody else in the spectrum of spectrum of genders it's important it is important to be able to do that um, because you're not always going to have a partner and you're not always going to have a partner who wants to do things with you all the time and so to put that pressure on them to always be the person to be responsible for your pleasure isn't really fair to them anyway. But also, like, self-pleasure can be real fun. <laughs> Getting down with yourself is a good time. I will say I have had more orgasms repeatedly, like back-to-back -back orgasms by myself than I have with a partner. Uh, I, I think my my max right now is like five in a row. And that's like having an orgasm, I take a little breather for a minute and I get back into it and you can do it like five times in a row. I think somebody that I, I listened to on a podcast, she had said that she got something like 13 in a row and I was like, all right, that's that's pretty damn good. <laughs> Maybe someday I'll get there. Something to strive for. Um, but <laughs> but I don't, I don't do that typically in a partnered situation. Usually it's like one, maybe two. Um, and that's actually okay. So this is something that I also... And it's an, a curious thing for me because uh, part of the reason why I don't push for more of them, because there, there are certain times when like one is enough and I'm good, I'm ready to get back to like the other stuff or get started on the other stuff or whatever. Um, but sometimes, you know, I've, I've, every once in a while, I feel like I could probably get a couple of more in because I'm just that that aroused at that point in time. And that happens when I'm masturbating. Sometimes I'll do one or two and sometimes it's five because I'm that aroused and I just feel like that's how many I can do and I can get them out relatively quickly. But I find in a partner situation, I feel like two is the most that I can sort of ask for <laughs> in terms of we're going to put um, a lot of your pleasure aside right now so that I can focus on my pleasure or we can focus on it together because it's really fun to have somebody peripherally pleasuring you while you're using your toy or whatever. So um, this is something that I do str still struggle with. And I know, I know that if I were to say like, I would like to try to have a few more, it would be fine. For the most part, there would be no, he wouldn't be like, oh no, we already did you, now it's me or whatever, right? Like that's not the response I would get, but that's what I feel like. And even feeling that way prevents me from being able to actually do it. Thinking that I'm holding us up, that I'm, I'm, I'm taking too long or whatever, 
it uh, it manifests in a inability to actually get the job done. <laughs> so this is something that I am working through trying to, to remind myself like it's okay to take time for you. It's okay to focus on your pleasure for like 30 minutes if you want to. It should not be coming down to um, how long is this taking? Am I paying enough attention to my partner? Are we getting things for him done or whatever? Because truly, I mean, we were together for like 12 years before I even had a single orgasm. So like he's had plenty, <laughs> right? Like I need to get some in for me too. I got to like play catch up here. So not to say that I think things should be balanced more in my direction, but that I should not feel apologetic in any way to ask for multiple orgasms if that's what I'm feeling. So again, I, I, I just cannot imagine that I'm alone in feeling this way, that I'm the only woman in the history of the world who has felt um, apologetic for asking for more orgasms, who has felt like it was a weird phenomenon that she never really felt the need to touch herself until suddenly there was like an awakening. And now it's it's a re regular part of your life. Like I can't be alone there. <laughs> so again, this is why I'm I'm divulging such deep intimate details about myself because because there's there's just got to be other people out there who are experiencing these things. And one of the best things about being able to communicate as humans is that we get to understand that we are not alone in our struggles, in our pursuits in any of the things that are going on in our lives. We all have good company in those places. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think uh, it's, it's an interesting road that I am traveling at this point in this regard because I am learning so much about myself still and we're learning about each other still. And I do feel like once this element was sort of added to our sexual lives, it did open us up even further than, it, than we had in the past. Because now I'm experiencing a deeper level of pleasure out of our sexual experiences together. And so then that even makes me more open to offering him more pleasure and that sort of stuff. Um, one thing that I'm familiar with but have never achieved would be a G-spot orgasm. And and so I may have been inclined before before my 30s to say that a G-spot spot orgasm wasn't a thing, that it couldn't happen um, because I didn't know for sure that an orgasm at all could happen. <laughs> I wasn't convinced that orgasms for... Uh, female bodies was a universal. And there is still debate about whether or not it is, but I can say from experience that I went from having zero desire and zero like orgasmic feeling whatsoever to having really great orgasms um, just as a matter of, of paying a little closer attention to that area of my body. So I, I'm far more willing to accept that, the, that a G-spot orgasm is a, possi a possibility. And 
it will take some practice and some time to get there even. And it's just something that I like, maybe I'll work up to it at some point and I've probably got to find the right toy for it. <laughs> so I'm like on the lookout trying to find a toy that's going to, to help me have that experience. And so for me, this is kind of like exciting, you know, it's exciting to know that there's even more out there that I can strive for, that I can be practicing and finding out more things about my body and stuff because allegedly g-spot orgasms are like way more intense than clitoral orgasms so i i'm i'm working towards it (laughs) and i would like to experience that someday but but you never know and it's just it's a matter of practicing and paying attention to what is going on and what works and what doesn't. Um, it's all a lot of learning, especially now because again, I spent 30 years of my life not exploring my body at all. Oh, and this is the other thing too that I thought was interesting and I wanted to mention. Um, so before I had kids, I never, ever, ever liked having my nipples touched in, in during sex. Like it was just, it was a legitimate, like off-putting feeling. Like I did not like it. <laughs> and then I stopped, it was, uh, may have still been breastfeeding a little bit with the second one and, uh, started to find that like hmm, I, I kind of liked not not when my kids breastfed but when <laughs> my partner would touch them and do things to them and I was like huh I f- actually find this kind of enjoyable now and then especially now that I have orgasms nipple play has become another pretty big part of that experience for me when it's partnered I don't do it to myself I don't know I don't have the right touch <laughs> for it but but with my partner I'm like oh yes that is very nice and so I find that to be interesting and I'm curious to know like if it was um just the sensation changed as a result of pregnancy and breastfeeding or if the sensation changed because I was suddenly able to experience the release that my body really obviously wanted um through through touch and play with the nipples. I don't know. So at any rate, I guess the point of that anecdote is to say like things change and our bodies change and our tastes change. And I think as a result of of being able to have an orgasm now, my, my interpretation of nipple play is very different than it used to be. The feeling that it generates is, is, is a sort of working in concert with the feelings that are coming up as a result of touching my genitals as well. So that may be something that you you might want to like look into. So that you know, just it, there's just a combination of things that might work for you. And so if you're not trying out different things, um, you never know what you're missing. So just keep an open mind, bear things in mind that way. Um, I did mention earlier that I thought it was interesting that there's this element of like motherhood on top of all of that because I I don't know I guess there's this this trope that when you become a wife and definitely a mother like sex is no longer a thing you women don't want to have sex anymore or they lose all interest in themselves and so their partners lose interest in them too and all that stuff and I just got to say, like, the sex has only gotten better since I became a mother. <laughs> and that is a weird thing 
to think about because I even think that there are people out there who suddenly can't do sexual things anymore because they they like think of their babies and they're like oh I can't do that I have children now or something I don't know but but I oh man yeah the 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 sex post children is so much better but that's again that goes back to the fact that like we've continued to grow together we've continued to explore things together and try new things and keep things kind of going uh versus perhaps other people who have the same vanilla sex forever and then you throw into the mix like these screamy children who never leave you alone and you're like why would I ever want to touch you again (laughs) I don't know but uh, but definitely trying to change it up a little bit and make it a bit more of like a vanilla swirl or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, my bottom line here is that there is no reason why sex can't be good or great and get better and better as you get older. And I think that it should. I think that sex should get better and better as you get older. Um, Whether you're with a a single stable partner or not, you have every opportunity to get to know your body better. And if you know your body, then you know how to please yourself or instruct someone else on what brings you pleasure. And that is going to enhance your experience and it's going to enhance their experience because the more you're into it, the more they're going to be into it. So I think we should all be taking the time to masturbate, explore ourselves, get to know our bodies better, and really take this opportunity to continue to have great sex throughout our lives. And uh, yeah, just don't feel shame about sex or masturbation and talk to your kids about it. (laughs) Make sure that they know that sex is good and pleasure is good. Okay, we're going to talk about that sometime soon. We're going to talk about conversations with your children about sex and pleasure and what my view is of being um, age-appropriate, at least for my kids' ages at this stage, uh, conversations to have with them that you can lay the foundation and the framework for continuous conversations with them throughout their lives so that they don't have to go through these monumental shifts or hopefully won't go through these monumental shifts in adulthood where they suddenly feel sexually liberated. Okay, that's it. Thank you so much for joining me. If you have thoughts on this stuff, I am I would love to hear from you. Um, you can reach me at archykate at gmail.com. That's A-R-C-H-Y-K-A-I-T at gmail.com. Or you can reach me at look at this mess pod on Instagram. Or you can go to look at this mess pod at dot wordpress.com and you can leave commentary there or you can you can message me through my website uh, system and uh, yeah thank you so much I, I hope that you enjoyed this episode and I hope that you go enjoy yourself go have some fun with you get to know your body let's have some orgasms <laughs> an orgasmic world is a happy world in my opinion so go do it okay I will see you in the next one.